King Ahaz packed up his stuff and his staff and traveled over 200 miles to the city of Damascus. That's a long drive at 70 miles per hour with air conditioning. That's a mighty long trek in a chariot at 17 miles per hour without air conditioning. But it was the least he could do for everything the king of Assyria did for him. The king of Damascus was picking on Ahaz and pushing him around, so he allied with another army to help his army. That alliance did not come cheap. Ahaz marched into the house of God and stripped it of all the silver and gold. Then he marched into his own house and stripped it of all the silver and gold, wrapped it up, FedExed it to the king of Assyria. That was his price if he was going to wage his war. The king of Assyria gladly took the silver and gold, and he waged war against the king of Syria and killed him. And King Ahaz rode to thank his new friend and ally. Two wicked, bloodthirsty, type A kings meeting together in enemy territory? What could possibly go wrong? Well, that's where King Ahaz saw the altar. Maybe he was on a double-decker chariot tour through Damascus when he saw it. It was beautiful, much more beautiful than that brass eye swore of an altar back home in Jerusalem. And it was huge, even huger than that altar back home. Ahaz was captivated by it. He had to have one just like it, but there was a problem. Ahaz already had an altar back home, and there really wasn't enough room for two altars. So what did he do with the two altars? Well... Find out right after this. Good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to Two Altars on Simplify. When I was a kid, one of my least favorite answers was, uh, We have that at home. Hey, Dad, can we get ice cream? We have ice cream at home. Can we get a cheeseburger? We have cheeseburgers at home. Can we have a horse? I can't say we have a horse at home. But now that I'm a dad, I understand. I know just because you have a credit card doesn't mean you have money. And so sometimes I find myself saying, hey, good news, girls, we have that at home. But everybody knows a double scoop of chocolate chip cookie dough and a waffle cone from Wits tastes a whole lot better than a single scoop of two-year-old French vanilla in a styrofoam bowl at home. Ahaz already had an altar at home, but he wanted this new altar. So he sent a model of this new altar back to Uriah the priest, along with the dimensions and design in full detail. Uriah should have told King Ahaz, Your Majesty, all due respect, we have an altar at home. But Uriah glanced at the blueprints, gathered the materials, and he went right to work building the altar, just like King Ahaz saw in Syria. And before his majesty strode back into town, Uriah was all finished with the brand new altar. He was pretty proud of himself going to show it off to his boss, maybe get a promotion or pay raise. And Uriah did not disappoint. It looked just like the one Ahaz saw in Syria. But now Ahaz has a problem. He has two altars and really only room for one. One of the altars has to go. But which one? Would he keep the one God designed and gave the blueprints to Moses on top of Mount Sinai? The one that stood for nearly 800 years. Moses sought God at that altar. Joshua sought God there. Saul even sought God there. David sought God there. Solomon sought God there. That old altar had been the place where thousands of innocent animals shed their blood to atone for the sins of millions of guilty Israelites. That altar stood for 800 years to represent repentance to the nation of Israel. That altar worked. 
It was a constant reminder that God is holy and God values and demands repentance. Everyone who ever had the blessed one-on-one audience with Almighty God inside the temple had to first go to the brazen altar. God was establishing a pattern that the depth of our relationship with Him will only be as deep as our repentance, which means we will only see the glory of God once we have repented of our sin. That old brazen bloodstained altar looked like an eyesore to Ahaz, but it was beautiful to God because it represented His people's invitation to repent so they could have a relationship with him. But the second altar was brand new. It still had that smell of mm, freshly sawn wood or that look of freshly hewn stone. Ahaz didn't know its history because altars don't come with a Carfax, but it was built in the city of Damascus, an idolatrous city where they served much more than one God, and they did not serve the one true God, Yahweh. Ahaz, listen, this is a no-brainer. And it's okay. You were on a business trip. You were still giddy from the war when you were probably drunk. You were starstruck and thought that new altar looked better than the one God designed, but it's not. Just repent. It's what the altar's for. Go back to the altar God designed because it's been working to keep us close to God now for hundreds of years. You can seek God there. You can hear from God there. You've got two altars. How about this? Toss yours. Keep his. It worked before. It will work again. Now, we have a different altar in our day. We call the front of the sanctuary an altar, and we call the time we spend praying there an altar call. And I can't count the number of altar calls in my life. I'm that blessed. But I could walk you to the altar in St. Louisville, Ohio, where God filled me with his Holy Spirit 29 years ago. And I could take you to the tabernacle on the Ohio campgrounds, where on a Wednesday night during Pastor Ken Gurley's message, God called out to me and called me, a scrawny electrician's son with a soprano voice and a lateral lisp. He called me into the ministry. That altar changed my life. I'm thankful for all the creativity a creative generation has brought to the church. All the graphics, the videos, the media, social media, signs, stage design, all of those are great. Thank you for them, but those aren't altars. God's design is still the old-fashioned preaching of the old rugged cross that draws us from our chair or our pew to our knees at an old-fashioned altar so we can pray and get right with God. That's the altar God designed. But it has decided this new altar, well, it's just too good to waste. It was new, which made it better, right? So he had Uriah move the old brazen altar away from its prominent place in front of the temple, and he put the new altar in its place. Now what is he going to do with God's altar? God, who carved out the oceans and sculpted the mountains, he designed that altar. But Ahaz stashed it to the north side just to get it out of the way. And he commanded Uriah the priest to command everybody. Everybody needs to start using that new altar. The brazen altar, that'll be just for the king. But what's the big deal? I mean, isn't it enough just to have an altar? The new altar is bigger, it's better, it's newer than the old one. It It may not have all the features the old one has, but it's got a few features the old one doesn't have. The old design has been around for 800 years. It's time to upgrade. What's the big deal? The big deal is God designed the old one. Man designed the new one. But the old one worked. The new one didn't. After King Ahaz moved God's altar, he chopped up another furnishing in the temple and replaced it. Then he tore down the entrance from his house to God's house. And when he tore it down, it was a public declaration that the king doesn't go to church anymore. 
And eventually, according to 2 Chronicles 28, King Ahaz closed the doors to the temple. And now nobody could go to church anymore. Ahaz was one of Judah's most wicked kings. But after a short while, he was back in trouble and he needed help again. He turned to his old buddy. Surely the king of Assyria is going to help him out. But his old buddy turned on him and attacked him. And Ahaz finally realized, I don't need help from man. I need help from God. But rather than run to the altar God designed, he ran to the altar he built. And he called out to the gods, whoever they were, wherever they were. But when he called, heaven didn't pick up the phone. Ahaz was so spiritually bankrupt, he didn't even call out to God for help when God was the only one who could help. Ahaz, you should have left that old altar alone. Our message, it's 2,000 years old. Some think it's time for an upgrade. Maybe a more attractive message with less miles on it, less repentance in it. How about a gospel absent a bloodied Savior on a rugged cross? Well, you're right about one thing. The old-fashioned gospel is not high-tech, but it works. It still saves sinners, still heals the sick, still mends the broken, still delivers the addicted. We'll never improve on that design. And so, as for me, as for my house, we're not moving that altar. It's the one God designed. It worked before. It will work again. I'd like you to pray with me. Maybe you've strayed away from the design God designed, this design of the gospel, this design of repentance, this design of seeking God at an altar and getting your heart, my heart, right with him. But I'd like us to pray that God would help us to go back to that old altar, that old gospel, that old message, and see him and seek him once again and know when we do, we will hear from him. Lord, I love you. You are great and greatly to be praised. I thank you for this beautiful design, the gospel, this message. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection, the empty tomb. Thank you for repentance, for baptism, for the infilling of your spirit. Thank you for this old message. Forgive me, God, if I've ever tried to upgrade it, ever tried to improve on it, ever tried to redesign it. God, I pray for everyone listening. If we've ever strayed away from this gospel, please forgive us. Your gospel is the only message that has the power to save us. I pray, draw us back, bring every one of us back to your gospel, your message, the one you designed. I know it worked before and I know it will work again. I pray, God, let it work even today. For somebody who's listening, help them to get their heart right with you today. Thank you for this old altar. We love you and worship you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning into the Simplify episode. I hope it's been a help to you. Hopefully it's convicted you a little bit. Hopefully it's brought you back to God if you've strayed even a little away from him and the design he has for your life. If you have enjoyed this, I'm so glad. Please share it with somebody. If you've not yet clicked subscribe, click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening. That way you'll know every time an episode drops. If you want to reach out to me and share any comments or anything concerning the podcast, you can do so. You'll find me on Facebook at lj.harry. Twitter and Instagram at LJ and Andrea, L-J-A-N-D-A-N-D-R-E-A. Also, you can pick up a copy of my book, Simplify, which is the devotional that launched this podcast, and my newest book, Ten Words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments. You can pick both of those up at PentecostalPublishing.com, or you can pick them up on Amazon. And coming up October the 9th, I will be at Paragraphs Bookstore here in Mount Vernon, Ohio, on South Main Street from noon to 2 signing copies of 10 words. So if you live in this Mount Vernon or Knox County area, 
please stop by Paragraphs. I'll be signing those. Or I will be at our church on October the 10th, and I'll be signing those right after Sunday's service. So if you would like a signed copy of 10 Words, I'd be honored to sign it for you. Just stop by Paragraphs on the 9th or stop by the church on the 10th. Next week, I want to share with you a devotion called There's Still No Place Like Home. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.